hope you've all got your gardening questions ready because uh, for the next hour and a half, David Peterson from Walls End Community Nursery is here to answer your gardening questions. My name's Phil Bates, by the way. That's not important right now. But David's here, as I said, to answer all of those questions. And the number to ring is 49216216. Suggest you give us a call now if you'd like to get on early. G'day, David. Hello, Phil, and good afternoon, everyone. And it is a wonderful day, Phil, to get, be getting out. It's autumn. Yep. Great time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that my car was registering a bit higher than that when I was on my way over. So oh, the the temperature, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think it depends on where you are mm. a lot these mm. days, um, um, and partic- particularly this time of year. Yes. I, I walk around my house and it's much colder on one side than it is <laughs> on the other. Um, well, that's due to the shade, maybe, and and the breeze and all that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I was thinking actually it's the that first time I've heard that. Phil, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, I got a million of them, David. I got a million of them. Um, but I was thinking that um, um, last week we were talking a lot about cloudy days yes. in, in the weather. And if that was a cloudy week, then I'll take that any time. Mm, that, mm. that was just a gorgeous it week. It has been a beautiful week, yep. yes. And uh, uh, autumn weather is just, yep. just perfect. I know, it's lovely. If you didn't know winter was coming, you could enjoy autumn all the more. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, winter is on its way. If you've got any questions at all about preparing your garden for winter, or um, maybe sort of doing a few things around the place, you've got a few questions to ask. Four nine two one six two one six is the number to ring. Everyone who rings up and is part of today's program can get themselves in the draw for two in URFM's gardening walkback, where David comes around to your place and has a look at your garden. And David, even you are a little bit hampered by being on the radio. You can do much better if you're there in the garden. Oh, of course, I can. You? Yes, yeah. we have lots of fun. I mean, you're brilliant on the radio, but oh, you're even better you. when you when you're there in the garden looking at the stuff. And if you give all your details to uh, Diane when you ring up on today's program on 49216216, we can make sure that your name goes in the draw for 2NURFM's Gardening Walkback, where Which David today, comes around to you. today, Phil, for last month. Okay, yeah. uh, we're going to do that after, after the 1 o'clock, after news, the one o'clock yes. news. So uh, be listening. You may have David coming around to your place and knocking on your door very, very soon. The other thing, of course, is you go in the draw to, um, not the draw so much as get chosen by David at the end of the program to win these wonderful things that he's brought in. And as usual, David, you're very, very generous. Oh, You've brought you. in two plastic bags full of stuff. Yes. I'll let you run through okay. it. I'm a little bit different today uh, with my little plant that I've brought in. I normally bring in something that's uh, flowering and pretty, but today I've brought something in that's going to produce fruit. Oh. And look, these are becoming so popular. It's the blueberries. So, um, we were talking about that, weren't yes, we? Yes, yeah. blueberries are becoming really, really popular. They're so easy to grow. Basically, the, the easiest way to grow them is in a pot, in just some azalea potting mixture, because I find that they um, tend to not respond to most soils if we pop them into the ground. So if you um, are the winner of this, just um, you need, as I said, to pop them in some azalea camellia potting mixture, which is an acid potting mixture, by the way. That's why it's a little different to our normal potting mixture. They grow up to around about two metres in height, and they can reach up to about 1.5 metres wide. Not a terribly attractive-looking plant, but my goodness, when they start bearing, they bear continually, and you get lots and lots of blueberries.
trees just off a small individual plant. It requires a good sunny spot in the garden somewhere and it will produce, as I said, very, very well for you. As well as that, I'm giving away a container of the Sea Organic. This is the complete fertiliser being organic. You can pop that on anything at all in your garden. As well as some uh, soluble fertiliser, that's the Debco plant food all-purpose one. As well as the EcoGuard, that's the natural spray that we can spray on to just give our plants a little bit of a boost and hopefully stop a lot of those nasties from getting on to them. So that's the, pl- the gift I'm giving away right at the end of the program. Okay, and as David so eloquently said, you do need to be listening at the end of the program to see whether or not you're the uh, the lucky person. Um, okay, David, shall we get I stuck into yes, the sir. calls? Because we've got people mm. waiting online. We'll say hello first up this afternoon to Max from Barnsley. Hello, Max. Hello, David. Um, I, my desire is requiring attention. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to be spraying them with Mancozeb. And Roga. Right. Because of course they have a tendency to have petal blight mm-hmm. and uh, the Roga because they have a tendency to get uh, red spider. Now, could I mix Thrive liquid into that? Preferably not. Oops. Uh, Preferably not. If you can just try and do that separately because that way you can apply the Thrive through a watering can so you're getting it down into the soil rather than over the foliage because basically that's where it needs it more so through the, through the root system rather than through the foliage. Right. Well, is there any... I've got about 30 a day and mm-hmm. some of them as big as your dining room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, a bit hard to get onto. Okay. Now, so you is, want... there, is there anything that would go uh, that would mix with these uh, well, with the with the and roga. Well, certainly you can mix it with them as a foliage spray, but I would normally suggest yeah. to do those yeah, in yeah. separate applications. So yeah, try and use your chemicals, and then of course do another spray with your uh, liquid fertilizer. But of course, making sure probably the liquid one is the best to do first, because that way when it dries, then you can spray the product on. Of course, being that. Uh, chemical product, it must right. be on six hours to be effective. So, okay, all right, that's it. Well, thanks, David. Thank you, Max. Bye all for right. now. Bye. Thank you very much, Max. Our next caller comes from Valentine, and we're saying hello to John. Hello, John. How are you, David? I've got a, a magnificent French penny tree here at Valentine, and uh, of course, the leaves are all beginning to fall. The on, on all the leaves, though, it's got, like, I would call it, it looks equivalent to spore on the back of a fern leaf, mm-hmm. but they're, they're sort of a yellowy-orange colour. Yes. And um, it's all over it. And Thank I'm, you. Is it part of the natural process of them breaking down, or is it something I should be treating? Well, normally it's rust. It is rust that often gets on the backs of the leaves because it's just like someone has thrown rust all over the backs of the leaves. So it is a fungal disease. Yes. Certainly when they do fall, that fungal disease will just die away naturally anyway. So if they are starting to fall, that's all I would do. Just let them fall, and that fungal disease will just shrivel up and die once, it, once the leaf has died as well. Thank you very much. You're welcome, John. Bye for now. Yes, thank you, John. 49216216 is our number. Lines are becoming free. If you've been trying to get through, now's a good time to call. As we say hello to Connie from Bolton Point. Hello, Connie. Hello, David. 
How are you today? Very good, thank you. Oh, that's great. I've got quite a few questions for you, if you don't mind. We'll see how we go. I've got a lemon and a mandarin tree, Mm. and they were both fruiting beautifully, a big crop on them. But as they are ripening, they're turning brown and then green and falling on the ground. Okay. So they're not actually rotting at all. They're just just falling. We're still in the green state. They're not soft in any way to touch. Well, when they fall on the ground, they are then soft okay. and squishy. All right. Well, it could be one of two things. First of all, it, they could be attacked by fruit fly during the summer months, and those fruit flies are probably working within the citrus. I would certainly suggest to break one open and just have a look inside. If you can't see any worms inside, it's possibly just a fungal disease, which has been very, very common throughout the summer months on our citrus trees, and this does cause a rotting in their fruits. So check and see I which think one it will it... be the fungal disease okay. because I use Echolure yes. on my orange tree. I also have an orange tree. Mm-hmm. But the orange tree is not affected. All right. Okay, then. Well, if you feel it is a fungal disease, that's a preventive thing. We can't really do much about it now that all the fruit's on there. You need to prevent that from occurring just by periodically spraying through the summer season just with your fungicide spray like some mancozeb. And that would have got that under control for you. But now all the fruit is is there. It may be a little bit too late. Certainly you can try just by using the mancozeb and just use that at fortnightly intervals. And that may clear up any that, particularly if you've got still fruit coming on the plant. There's also uh, round green spots on the the trunks. On the trunks? Yeah. Okay. Green round spots. Yes, they might just be lichen that's growing on the tree and certainly the fungicide will get rid of that as well, but that's not actually a problem with the tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I've been using the Echolure on my orange tree, which has got beautiful fruit on it and there's nothing wrong with that. How long do you actually keep putting the natural lure on? I'd say by the temperatures lowering now, particularly when our temperatures get down to about 10 degrees overnight, that's always a good time when you think you can actually stop using the eco-lure because normally the fruit flies won't survive in temperatures that get down to about 10 degrees. That's good to know. Thank you. Another question, a quick one. Can I divide baby acapantus now? You can, yes, you can. I mean, certainly autumn is another good time to do a lot of splitting up of things. Just um, remembering to try and do it as carefully as possible and then plant them as quickly as possible and then just feed them up with some sea salt, which will stimulate them back to life. Bearing in mind that you may not get a flowering this year because you've split them. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a cordylion, can I move that now? Out of a pot or from... Out of a pot or it's already in the ground? In the ground. I would probably suggest to leave that one until springtime because you don't want to go disturbing that too much at this time of the year. No. Thank you very much for all those answers. That's okay, Connie. Thank you. Uh, You have a good afternoon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Connie. Uh, All the lines are free at the moment, David. We seem to have um, answered a lot of questions in the first little flurry there. Uh, you were talking there about dividing up agapanthers. Um, if you're going to go about that, how would how do you do that? Do you just get a sharp spade and sort of mm-hmm. hack them into? Okay. 
Well, you normally just um, just dig down in and, and dig <clears throat> up a clump, and <clears throat> then you can actually break them apart just with your fingers to break them into oh, smaller right. sections. Yeah. Otherwise, you can cut them with your secateurs, and that will break them up into smaller sections. Otherwise, if they're very big um, clumps, you will need to use a spade to just divide right. them. Yeah. But remembering also, too, when you're splitting up things, that you need to actually cut all the foliage off the agapanthus as well because that's compensating for what you're damaging in the root system. So you'll need to to do all of that. Then once you plant them, as I said, just water them in and then just treat them with some sea salt, which will actually stimulate the roots back to life again. You just need to use the sea salt every couple of weeks to try and push that energy back into them. So autumn and then spring are the two main times when when you can do your dividing of your agapanthus. Bearing in mind that, as I said, you you may not get this year's flowering by dividing okay. them now this late. Yeah. 49216216 is our number here on Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. David Peterson from Walls End Community Nursery is here answering those questions. When you're breaking things up, David, can you can you break them into too small a, a piece? Yes. Because I think I might have done that with some kangaroo paws mm. once and well, nothing no, came well, back from them. Well, that's a little bit different with kangaroo paws. Right. Once again, okay. you still need to break them into reasonable sections. The same mm. with agapanthus, one bowl. I mean, will take a while for it to mature. So if you can just plant them as a clump, that's probably a much better thing to do as a clump rather than just one single bulb right. because that will take a very, very long time to, um, to actually get a good size clump out of. Okay. Uh, we've got a call coming through, David, but uh, just while that's coming through, anything else we should be thinking of at this time of year? Uh, well, remembering that it, we're speaking of bulbs, Phil, I mean, we've, we've certainly in our spring uh, planting time at the moment for our spring bulbs. So all your spring bulbs should be in all your garden centres at the moment, so it's time to actually start purchasing those. Not necessarily planting them. You can actually leave those a little bit longer, but certainly just collecting all your spring bulbs, yep. getting them ready, because remembering we've got right up until June to plant those. So if you want to just hold them back, particularly things like tulips and hyacinths, uh, you can pop those in the crisper. Even the daffodils you can pop in the crisper of your fridge as well, and that actually holds holds them back and stops them from shooting too early. So, yeah, start um, collecting those now, ready for planting. It's like collecting... Uh, firecrackers yep, or something right. like that, isn't it? You, you get them all together and then you, you work out what you're going that's to do right, with them. That's right, because yeah. you may be setting out a, a colour scheme in the garden. Yeah. Certainly that's a good idea yeah. to collect them all and then work out where you're going to put them. Yeah, okay. Um, David, online we've got Greg from Tea Gardens. Hello, Greg. Oh, good afternoon, David. Um, my question is I've just re- given a uh, lemon tree and it's potted and it's got fruit on it, uh, which is about probably half size. The the leaves have got a bit of yellow spot on them. Some of them are just a bit yellow. I was just wondering what I should do for it. Well, certainly this time of the year we're having lots of problems with citrus leaf miner and that often causes the young leaves to go yellow or twisted and even looks like they've got a little snail trail all over them. If that is the case, certainly just cut those off and then just spray your lemon tree with some pest oil and you must do that at 14-day intervals for three times to get that particular infestation under control. Sometimes the yellowing can just be caused through, it may just need a little bit of fertiliser thrown around it. Certainly 
certainly with anything as far as a fruit tree grows that you've put into a pot, make sure you don't use the chemical citrus food. You need to use just an organic-based plant food. So that can be sometimes a lot of your pelleted manures as well as some blood and bones. So just remembering not to use the citrus fertiliser on them. So that's possibly all that um, is needed, Greg, for your little citrus tree. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you, Greg. And uh, next on the line, it's Graham from Raymond Terrace. Hello, Graham. Oh, hello, David. David, just a bit of information. We've got a Melaleuca tree in our backyard, about 20 years old, which is starting to get a bit big and out of hand. And just wondering about um, cutting it back at the time of the year and how much I can cut it back. So that was a jacaranda? No, it's a melaleuca. A melaleuca. Okay, well, melaleucas can be done normally in spring because basically if we do them at this time of the year, they, they won't get much growth over the winter time, so you really need to wait until springtime. With melaleucas, they can be cut back very severely. So, I mean, you can cut them back a good two-thirds of the way back and they will shoot back to life as strong as ever. After you pruned it, just feed it up with a good native fertiliser or some blood and bone, which is nice and safe. And as I said, that will spring back to life very, very quickly. So leave it until round about September and then give it a good haircut. Okay, thanks very much for that, David. You're welcome. Bye for now. Thank you very much, Graham. 49216216 is our number. Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM 103.7, 49216216. And David, nobody waiting on the line. That's amazing, Phil. Yep. They must be all out enjoying the garden. I think they're all outside in the garden and they've forgotten to take their phones with them and their radios. Well, they'll have their radios, of Of course. course. Um, But give us a call, 49216216. You don't have to have a problem. You can just ring us up and skite about things that are going well in your garden. Or perhaps you've got some hints you'd like to share with the rest of the gardeners in the Hunter. That's the number to do it on, 49216216. I've got something to skite about, David. I've finally harvested a tomato. Oh, Phil, congratulations. Uh, It's not a huge tomato. I'm not going to be able to feed the family on it. My village still may starve this winter, but I've at least got a tomato and I've got more that are coming on. So uh, I'm planning to have That's that wonderful for, news, for my tea. I knew you'd I'm be happy. I'm very pleased for you. I knew you'd be happy for me, David. And, uh, and any other questions um, that, that might be coming up that you can answer beforehand about things um, Look, like, I, uh, I mean, we had that question about fruit fly yes. earlier on. Well, I've had lots of people about the problem with their lawns. I mean, lots oh, of people are thinking, right. well, you know, they're seeing all this soil that's being pushed up out of their lawn. I saw like, one lawn that had loads of little yep. mounds all over it. Yeah. So just bearing in mind that, 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 yes, there might be some cricket activity and, yes, there might be some um, curl grab activity, but the right. majority of those uh, things have been caused by earthworms. Earthworms are very active during autumn. Remembering we've had very, very damp weather, So therefore the soil is very, very moist. So they just tend to push the soil up out of the ground and push these little mounds up onto the top surface. Now, look, you can, you can certainly just leave them alone. You can hose that soil back into the, into the ground. I know the ground is a little bit spongy because that's what's happening. They're pushing actual right. soil up, so yeah. leaving a, a vacant spot down underneath. But certainly you can hose it back in. But otherwise, if you're a little bit too worried about them, just sprinkle your lawn with some garden lime and that will actually move them to a different area. So it's a good, simple remedy. The lime 
time's not going to harm the grass. In actual fact, it will probably make the grass a little bit greener. Oh. Uh, but certainly, yes, that's a little trick that we often like to use is just to sprinkle some garden lime and water that in, and that should move your, your earthworms. Okay, so if you've got little mounds of earth on your lawn, it's just unsightly. It's not, it can be, not, yeah, not it's, anything nasty that's, right. that's going yes. on that you need I mean, to be I mean, certainly a good little trick, Phil, remembering that little trick is to just mix up a bucket of warm, soapy water, pour it over a portion of the ground, and that way instantly you'll find whatever's down there doing this will come to the surface straight away. Uh, and majority of the times it is just earthworms. Right. Okay. Well, David, we've got some callers, so uh, let's talk to Philip now. Philip's at Macquarie Hills. Hello, Philip. G'day guys, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, uh, look, I've got some, some grass trees in pots near my pool. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I had three, one suffered fairly badly and died off. Um, and one of them has been doing quite well for the last three or four years, but now all of a sudden just decided to die off as well. I don't know whether it's because of the weather or the pot that it's in. And the other one... Um, uh, has like aphids on it of some sort. Um, I noticed that ants were getting into it and I've sort of dealt with that, but I've still got the aphids for some reason or other. Okay. All right then. Well, if, you, if you've got aphids, you can actually see them moving on the actual grass tree. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Okay. Well, sort of. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a little, it's a little black, a little black, um, well, I think it's an aphid. It's a no. little black. Okay. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said it's a little black thing because it's actually scale that you've got on the grass tree rather than aphids because aphids you right. could see moving around, whereas the little black thing you probably can't see moving around. It would be just like a little shell that's actually on a lot of the stems of the grass tree, which is yeah. very, very common for this to happen on grass trees. So you need to just get yourself some anti-scale. It is a product that you need to spray your grass tree with um, yeah. to try and get rid of this scale because basically all these little black things that you're seeing on the grass tree is drawing the energy out of the plant and that's why yeah. your grass trees probably look a little bit ill. So yeah. you spray them with the, the anti-scal or maliscal and then you'll just repeat that again in 14 days' time and eventually that you'll find that they will fall off with weathering and the, the grass tree will probably look a lot better for you. So what about the one that hasn't got the scaling on it? It's just looking a bit crook. Okay. I think you'll probably find if you look really, really closely, you may also have scale on it, so I would suggest to spray them all. Of course, with grass trees, we don't normally suggest to feed them anything, but if you wanted to just perk them up slightly, you could probably just put a little bit of blood and bone around them, but that's all I would do as far as fertilising goes. Yes, we've had a lot of rain, and yes, it will cause lots of problems with grass trees because they are a thing that doesn't require much moisture at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never done anything with them. Mm. It's just, just um, I'm sort of thinking maybe it's getting a bit old and, the, and the, um, it doesn't like the pot any longer. Now, look, certainly I wouldn't worry about the size of the pot that it's in because they will live an entire life in a fairly smallish area. Um, yeah. but, um, but so it wouldn't be the pot. It would probably just be the conditions that we've had throughout the, um, the summer months with all the wet weather. But I'm sure once we get back into rhythm again with our, with our weather, they should look a little bit better for you. All right, cool. Thank you very All much. Right, thanks, Philip. Bye thanks for bye. now. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you, Philip. And um, our next caller is Diane from Cameron Park. Hello, Diane. Oh, hello, David. How are you today? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, I would like to ask a couple of questions, please, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a fairly big backyard, and I've got an area there where I was thinking about planting some fruit trees. 
it's all um, because we're on a slope. It's all rubble and clay and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I've noticed around the area that there is some fruit trees around, but they haven't been looked after. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of white moss and. I did grow some tomatoes and got some beautiful tomatoes, but the fly got into them, of course, with, after all my hard effort. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think regardless of where you live, you'll always have problem with fruit fly. Yeah. So, but certainly getting back to the soil, you probably will need to work on the soil a little bit if you possibly can to try and add some things to try and boost up that soil. Mm. Certainly Cameron Park, yes, it is a fairly heavy sort of ground there. So you'll need to pro- try and order in some just garden soil yeah. and you'll need to actually add this garden soil to the existing area and just work it through the actual rubble that you've got. We'll call it rubble uh, yeah. that you've got there to try and boost it up. But not only that, Diane, you'll just need to pop in a little bit of complete fertiliser, a good safe fertiliser like an organic fertiliser or pelleted manure that you can mix through it. And that should be fine because you're basically building the soil level up above the normal soil level and that gives the plant a little bit of extra drainage. You're on a slope so you're going to have fairly good drainage anyway. But I think it's just a matter of getting some garden soil in and mixing it with that with the uh, the rubble that you've got there. Yeah, so just like cut out big squares or something yep. on the grass. Dig it over. And... Um, dig it over and, and still leave whatever's there still there but just mix the new soil through it so you're blending it through the existing soil. Yeah, 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 it's all rocks. Mm. So that, that's fine. I mean, look, that's fine. It's not going to be a problem as long as you've got something for the root system to bind onto and that yeah. just consists of your garden soil. Yeah, so build a mould up. Would I... Yeah, that's right. So build, you're building it above the existing soil level to give you that little bit of extra drainage and at the same time you're adding soil for the root system to bind into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other question is... Um, I've got a, what they, well, the fellow that owned the house, he said it is a um, black pea tree. Right. Um, and I said, well, he said that they grow them for the pods. I said, well, what do they do with the pods? He said, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, once again, with this common name, I really wouldn't know what it would be without seeing either a pod or a sample of the um, the branch. I mean, even if you're up next to the nursery, just pop in and, and leave a sample so that I can have a look at it, and yeah. that way I can get back to you with it, whether it's worthwhile keeping or taking out and replacing it with something else. Yeah, it's quite. It, it has grown quite big. It's okay. a beautiful tree. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't like to take that, but it's got real big leaves on it. Yes. And I, I don't see any birds go into it. Oh, okay then. Well, just, um, as I said, drop a sample in so that we can see if we can identify it for you. Okay then. Thanks very much for that, David. You're welcome, Diane. Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Thank you, Diane. To Garden Suburb we go next, and Pauline is on the line. Hello, Pauline. Good afternoon. Look, can you just help me, please, with... I've got citrus problem and azalea problem. Mm. Um, now, I heard you talking to another gentleman about azaleas. My leaves look as though they're having all the goodness being drawn out of them. It's a good description because that's exactly <laughs> what it does. <laughs> oh, 
so how can I put the good okay. news back in? All right. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, it's a, it's a thing called red spider that actually draws all the energy out of the leaf and just leaves it looking like a little bit of a grey leaf. Yes. Um, so you need to actually get some... Uh, well, a, a lot of the products have changed. So the, the two products that were used, if you've still got them in your cupboard, would be some Kelthane or Roga. And it's now been, those two have been replaced by a product that's just simply called insect mite and, oh, wait a uh, insect and mite killer, that's it. <laughs> they keep changing things on me, you see. So it's just simply called insect and mite killer. So that's the one you need to get hold of, and that's replaced the Kelthane and the Roga. Roga. Okay, good. Thank you. I'll get on to that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, the thing with the, the citrus, the orange and lemon trees, I've never had fruit fly. I think though maybe I may have that. The fruit's starting to ripen. It's getting the yellow and orange colouring to it. Then it falls off. And when it falls off, it'll get like a little hole in it. And if you squeeze it, all this juice comes out okay. and it'll have a little grub inside. Well, that's, that's exactly what it is. That's fruit fly that has been uh, laid, all of the eggs have been laid inside. And, of course, that takes a little while for them to hatch. And once they do hatch, they just start nibbling away inside. So, ah. yes, we've so got to... So is it too late to get rid of them now? It or is. is, yes. Oh. <laughs> because we have to try and prevent that from happening because once the eggs are actually laid inside the fruit, there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do to save that fruit. It's actually got to be a preventive thing by spraying your fruit trees to prevent the fruit fly from actually stinging the fruit. Oh, okay. Because we've had these in about six years and we've never yep. had touch wood fruit fly before. Mm, well, so fruit, we- fruit flies are becoming... Um, quite a horrible thing and it's now entering a lot of citrus trees as well as our normal fruit trees. Oh, okay. So when do I spray for fruit flies? Okay, well you need to, first of all, once we get into the next spring, you need to first of all just hang a fruit fly trap in your tree. Now? Uh, well, no, no, in spring. So oh, spring. We sorry. leave it to spring because we don't do anything during the winter time because the fruit fly is not around during winter because it doesn't survive the cold weather. Right. So we just, in early spring, you just um, pop a fruit fly trap in the tree and basically it's an indicator. So you put, you put it there simply to see when the fruit fly is around again and when you see the fruit flies in the trap, that's the time when you need to start spraying to keep, get it under control. And I spray with? Uh, there's a few things that are on the market. One very good one that we suggest is the Eco Natural Lure, which is basically a natural uh, spray which you spray onto the fruit to put a barrier on the fruit. Okay. All right. Well, that's another little job for the, the spring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, the mandarin tree, touch wood, I haven't got any bugs in that except the mandarins are, oh, I don't know, about the size of a walnut and a half Mm -hmm. at the moment, but they're now splitting in half. Okay. All right. Now, splitting is just caused through weather conditions. Sometimes when we have a really wet spell or vice versa, we have a very dry spell and then it completely changes to the opposite. That's when we get the splitting because the plant gets a sudden um, just a flush of, of growth and, of course, the fruit can't cope with that and so, therefore, they split. So it's just because we've gone from perhaps a wet spell to a dry spell or vice versa, we had a dry spell and then a wet spell, uh, this is what causes the tree to just um, grow very quickly and the fruit cannot survive. Okay, so I don't have to do anything. No, you can't do anything at all when that happens, unfortunately. (laughs) 
All right, then. Well, thank you so much, David, for your time. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you very much, Pauline. And say hello to Betty from Balcolum. Hello, Betty. Oh, hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good, thank you. Yes, you can help me. I want to know when is the best time to get passion fruit and put it in and which is the quickest and the thickest to grow. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. Well, of course, the most common one, of course, is the black one, Um, and it's probably by far... Look, I I really think all of them are very fast. I think regardless of whether it's the black, the yellow, or the the red one, I mean, I think they're all extremely fast, but, I mean, most people know the black one um, so well. So, I mean, look, with passion fruit these days, you can get seedlings, which, of course, generally bear quality fruit up to about four years and then you get the grafted ones which bear up to about 10 years so I mean we have a lot of problems sometimes with the grafted ones with the little shoots shooting up everywhere but certainly most people will still plant a grafted one so yeah look the time to plant them you can still plant them now at this time of the year being autumn and that way you'll get a bit of growth on them ready for that really um, strong influx of growth once we get into spring otherwise if you wanted to wait well springtime is the next time when we'll start Spring, okay, spring's yes. the next time. Yes, yeah. so, but otherwise you can still put yeah. them in now. If you've got a good sunny protected spot, you oh, could I still put away one. for a while. Oh, okay. All right. Now, well, spring <laughs> would be the next time then. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good then. Because so, I wanted to go up high and mm-hmm. go along a fence. They will certainly do that for you. They'll cover anything if it gets in its way. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, you've just answered everything for me. Very good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Betty. Bye-bye Thank now. Bye. Thank you, Betty. That's what we've come to expect from David. Answer everything. Okay. Uh, David, next up, Wayne from Wadalba. Hello, Wayne. Hi, Wayne. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? Just just starting to cheer people up. Yes. Remember I told you about my friend with the bonsai plants? Yes. Where he took them to get Medicare. I told him to get Medicare. Yes. Anyway, (laughs) but I'll get straight to the point. I went down to his place yesterday... And he was reporting a plant that was about six feet tall right. and about four foot round. I don't know what sort of plant it was. I didn't even ask. Right. But I just took two steps back when I went to his place. I said, my God, what did this woman do to your bonsai plant? Made it cracked a lot of people up. Well, that's true. Oh, well, tell me, in your plant business... Is laughter the best medicine? Of course it is, Wayne. Always the uh, best medicine, yes. But, I mean, when he was reporting this thing, I said, what the... My God, what has that woman done to your bonsai plants? <laughs> well, perhaps that's what needs to be done to bonsais because, I mean, they need to be cut really, really hard for them to reshoot out again. So she's probably done the right thing. Yep, sounds like uh, like she's done wonders. Although you really need your bonsai to be small, don't you? You do, yeah. but obviously this one's probably been going into a reasonable size yeah, pot. So. sounds like it, yep. Okay, uh, next online, it's uh, Robert from Kurumbong. Hello, Robert. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I just had two really quick questions for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just built a house down here, and we wanted to put in some raised beds to grow fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of clay in the soil, and we thought that was probably the easiest way around it. Mm-hmm. Now, firstly, I've been told to avoid treated pine if you're going to be growing something you're going to eat uh, for the beds. Yes. 
is that the best way to go, avoid that altogether? Well, not necessarily. I mean, certainly if you're doing raised beds out of treated timber, all you basically need to do is just line the side of the, the beds with some black plastic. Just run that from the top um, log right down to the bottom, and that just saves that um, chemical from actually leaching back into the soil. Secondly, the other alternative is the new raised beds made out of corrugated iron. They are becoming very, very popular because you can get them in many shapes, sizes and heights. Uh, so you can look into that just to see. I know I've, I've had people growing them in those quite successfully. Yeah, I did look at those. They're very expensive yes. and that's why I was thinking about because we want to put in a fair bit of uh, fruit and vegetables. Okay. We don't see much point in growing grass for a living. No, we'll just, oh, just, just line the side with black plastic and that takes care of that um, problem within the actual treated timber products. Oh, that's good. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you, um, when I'm actually filling the beds, I was thinking of just mixing some manure through some topsoil and using that to backfill it. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, where we are at the moment, there's a lot of uh, chook manure, there's a lot of horse manure and cow manure, and I didn't know whether um, a, a mix of the three or whether I should avoid a particular one. I would avoid and the poultry manure to begin with because sometimes that can be a little bit too strong. The cow manure is great because it serves two purposes. It serves as a feeding manure as well as a mulch. And the horse manure is particularly good because it serves very well as a moisture retainer. So out of those three, I certainly would go with the cow and the horse manure. Yeah, because I was thinking if I mix those through some topsoil and then uh, I was going to buy some worms and throw in as well just to you know, give it something to help break the soil up a bit and maybe get started on the soil underneath. So w would that be okay, you think, doing it that way? That, look, certainly if you just use the manures, that will actually encourage the worms to come into the area so you wouldn't necessarily have to buy some worms. They will come there when there's all that humus mixed through the soil. Okay, great. Thank you very much for that. My pleasure, Robert. Questions. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, Robert. And uh, next up, it's Craig. Craig's from Gwondolin. Hello, Craig. Hello, David. David, I've got a couple of questions. I've probably got about 50, but I'll just ask a couple <laughs> of <them>. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of succulents uh, outside. The agave, I think it's agave. Yes. They're about a, about a foot, a metre tall now. Mm-hmm. Can I cut those pups off and transplant them? Yeah, I had a question uh, like that yesterday at work, and certainly you can do that. You can cut the pups off and just plant those holus bolus in some seed-raising mixture or cutting mixture, and they will strike fairly easily. Not so much during the winter months, but certainly you could still get away with it now during autumn. Otherwise, leave it until spring to do that. Okay, fine. The other one is a flapjack. Flapjacks, probably best to leave now until springtime, um, but they normally should grow from the leaf, but certainly just pop those in some seed-raising mixture or cutting mixture to start them off. Yes. As well. Yep, they will, right. yes. Okay, I've got probably a dozen or so indoor plants. The one I'm concerned about is the never-never plant, right? Mm, well, I don't uh, know what that one is. You don't? No. <laughs> I, got this, I got this out of a little book that's on indoor plant. Right. But it probably applies to most a lot of the other plants I've got in, indoors. The ends of the leaves turning brown. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether it's too much water or not enough water. Normally it indicates too much water when you're getting browning on the ends of the foliage. So particularly during the winter months, you're better off to lay back slightly with the watering. Uh, so once a week is probably enough during the winter for all of your indoor plants. Once, 
once, once a week. week. Mm-hmm. Okay, and just for interest, I've got a couple of mother-in-law tongues in probably 15-inch pots, which are 40 years old now. Mm-hmm. That they go forever. They will go forever. Yes. That's why they're called mother-in-law's tongues. I was waiting for that one. Yeah, I didn't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Thanks, David. Thank you, Craig. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Craig. Yeah, we we won't go any further on that okay. one. I don't think. Don't, okay. Yeah, I, my mother-in-law won't be listening. But um, okay. Um, the number to ring four nine two one six two one six. Any questions at all you've got, then uh, David's here to give you the answer. Four nine two one six two one six, and uh, you can ring that right through till half past one. Don't forget at half past one. Um, David's going to tell you who's the winner of the wonderful things that uh, he's giving away. And, um, of course, everyone who uh, rings up and is part of the program today goes in the draw for 2NURFM's Gardening Walkback. Well, uh, we're going to tell you in just a moment who's the winner of 2NURFM's Gardening Walkback for uh, the month of... Let me see. What was, what was the last month? March. That's right. <laughs> no, no, do I have trouble with the time, David? I have trouble with the month as well. <laughs> But we're going to tell you who the winner for that one is. Um, just like to mention that um, this Wednesday night at the um, Hunter Wetlands Centre is the monthly meeting for the Newcastle group of the Australian Plant Society. So if you're interested in Australian plants and uh, you'd like to meet up with a bunch of like-minded people, then come along. Um, it's well lit down there um, because now, of course, it's it's dark at half past seven when the, the meeting starts and um, there's always a bunch of nice people around. That's uh, the Australian Plant Society, Hunter Wetland Centre, this Wednesday evening. Okay, David, who's the lucky winner? The winner, of, the winner um, from March yep. is Muriel Winter of Cameron Park. So congratulations, right. Muriel. Good on you, Muriel. You're uh, going to have David uh, knocking on your door <laughs> and uh, coming around to have a look at your garden. I imagine someone from the office gets in touch oh, yes, first. Oh, yes, yes, David? yes, yes. Um, but, um, yeah, David will be able to sort out your garden in no time at all. Okay, um, anything else we need to no. um, share with the, the gardeners of the Hunter, David? Just answer their questions. <laughs> okay, well, let's do that straight away by saying hello to Lorraine from Fern Bay. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, David. David, once upon a time, I had a grafted passion fruit vine. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, (laughs) Like a lot of things in my garden, it died, or I thought it had. And I was, it it grew below the graft, and I didn't worry. And in fact, I was quite delighted, because the little orange fruits are a lot nicer than ordinary passion fruit. But now, I have hundreds of passion fruit vines coming up (laughs) (laughs) miles away from the original (laughs) and threatening to take everything over. Yes. I hate using nasty, David. I I, I really do, but I keep on dragging them out and it seems to uh, make them grow more. Yes, well, I mean, unfortunately, that's the only thing you can do is just to dig them up because if you go using chemical on those young shoots that come up, that's going to go down into the root system and affect the main plant, particularly if you... I don't have Okay, all right. Well, in that case, you can use something like any of your glyphosate products. So basically, all you'd need to do is just mix that according to directions 
If you can spray it safely, yes, do so. But remembering anything that glypho gets onto, it will kill. So you've mm-hmm. really got to be very, very careful. Or else just makes it, make it up and just dab it on with a paintbrush just onto a few of the leaves of those little suckers that come up from everywhere else besides the, <laughs> uh, the main plant. So I could spend the rest of my life dabbing? Or... Yeah. Okay. Think how wonderful that will be. <laughs> uh, my future is assured thank you very much all right much. then thank okay. you very much bye bye now thank you lorraine so uh would that happen um with seedlings david or, or are they always going to be suckers those they'll always be suckers always be suckers, yes, right. yes because the root system is so spread out that, ah. and it's so close to the surface that once the main plant is gone all these others want to survive, of course, okay. so they just keep shooting up everywhere it possibly can. So. Right. I've got a mystery vine coming up in oh, the okay. middle of a grevillea, and I thought it looked a bit passion fruit-like, and um, um, having trouble sort of getting down to where, where the actual roots are. And, and then you'll have it. trouble actually getting it out and without disturbing the natives. So. Yes, yes. And, and, mm, yep. Anyway, I'll keep plugging away at it okay. and let you know how I go. Okay, uh, on the line, Carmel from Belmont. Hello, Carmel. Oh, hello. I'm actually ringing on behalf of my husband. Mm-hmm. He's had a fairly good lawn going, uh, Sir Walter lawn, and it's been pretty good, but there's brown patches starting to show. Yeah, I've had a few people of late telling me that they've got brown patches in the lawn. I just have a feeling this is all to do with all this activity that's going on underneath the ground, whether it be the earthworm activity. Some people, yes, have had problems with some crickets, and some people, yes, have had problems with some uh, curl grubs. So what I would suggest that you get him to do, Carmel, is just to mix up a bucket of warm soapy water. Now, that can be any form of soapy water, and just pour that over a portion of the ground that you may be having problems with and on the edge of a new of a good bit of lawn as well so that way if there's anything underneath the ground it will actually come to the surface straight away so that's a good indication of what you've actually got in a way of a problem there fine so just the normal washing up yep, detergent. that's fine and just pour that over and just stand there because whatever's there will actually come to the surface straight away fine oh that's very good all right um the fruit fly i've yes. heard you talking about it do you know what the fruit fly looks like? Uh, yes, I do. I have seen fruit flies. They're fairly, um, fairly. What can, now, how am I going to describe it? It's, it looks like a mosquito, but it's a bigger, bigger than a mosquito. And the leaves are very, uh, the leaves, the, the <laughs> wings <laughs> are very, very transparent. I see. So they've sort of got four little wings. They've got two big wings and two little wings. Is that a oh, good description? Fine. I think you've hit it on the nail. Okay, all right. Okay, <laughs> I know what to look for. It's just that we've had some funny flies just flying in recently. They, they look almost as big as a blowfly, but they're a longer-shaped fly mm, than a blowfly. That sounds a bit big for a fruit fly. Yeah, that's mm, my thought. Oh, well, that's very good. Well, thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you, Carmel. I think she might be talking March flies there, Yeah. Though. Yeah. Horrible things. Do do fruit flies have dots on their wings? Do I think I, so. I yes. Or from my biology classes yes. way back in the Cambrian period. Um, I always see them when school. I've got no glasses on, so I really probably can't <laughs> see the little spots. I can right. see the wings, but I can't see, can't the, see spots. the spots. Okay. Um, next up, we're saying hello to Trevor from Cameron Park. Hello, Trevor. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good, David. I have a problem uh, in my backyard. 
the uh, the ground is a bit damp. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of um, a lot of um, like wriggly dirt coming out of the ground. Yes. Okay. Well, as we mentioned earlier in the program, this is a lot of earthworm activity, so this does happen this time of the year. You can do one of two things, Trevor. You can actually just hose that soil back in that they're pushing up out of the ground, or else you can just um, sprinkle some ordinary garden lime over the lawn, and that will actually move them to a different area. So you could try either one of those things. I oh, see so either watering, watering the soil back in or... Um or some lime. Yeah, just sprinkle some lime over and that will actually move them to a different spot. And it's just normal garden worms, It's just it? ordinary garden worms, so therefore they are very good for the soil. It's just that they are a little bit active on the active side, particularly with all the wet weather that we've had. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. I the Bunnings and uh, I told them this. I said, oh, no, you've got this uh, grub. Oh, yes. Well, I'd probably tell you lots of things, but when you... Um, when you look at it closely, I can tell you if you can just mix up a bucket of warm soapy water, pour that over a portion of the ground, and literally stand there, and you'll see probably lots of earthworms come up out of the ground. I see. All right. Right. Um, the other question I have, <coughs> I, um, I've got a, um, a Maya a lemon. Yes. A tangelo, which um, both got fruit on them. The tangelo has four, uh, four fruit. Mm-hmm. The orange, uh, the, uh, the lemon has um, has three, and it's got a lot of flowers again. It's just flowered. Okay. Um, I have a mandarin tree which has got five or six mandarins on it, plus new growth, and a navel orange, which has got new growth and two oranges on Good. it. Now, uh, as far as I was listening to your program, there's no fruit flies at this time of the year. That's right. Yep. Um, now I've got white oil. Yes. White oil or pest oil here? Pest oil is much safer. Get rid of that white oil. I try and say that on every program, get rid of the white oil because it's a really, really harsh product to have and pest oil should replace your white oil. It's a much safer product to use in the garden. Right, and this... Um I have like a, some, some sort of a disease on the new little leaves. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's simply called citrus leaf miner, and certainly the pest oil will fix that up. Good little procedure is that you just cut all those young leaves off first, put them in a plastic bag, seal it, and right. throw it away, and right. then spray it with your pest oil. And then, Trevor, just do exactly the same procedure in 14 days' time, and then once again in 14 days' time, and that actually breaks the life cycle of the citrus leaf miner. Uh, you recommend pest oil instead of white oil? I certainly oil. do. I would certainly get rid of the white oil and just have your pest oil on hand. Okay. And um, what's the best thing to feed the uh, citrus uh, trees with? Certainly feeding citrus if they're in the ground. You just need to use your citrus fertiliser. But if you have them in pots, you need to just go to an organic fertiliser because it's a lot safer to use on them. No, they're all in the ground. Okay, we'll just get, get, hold of some, get hold of some citrus fertiliser, right. sprinkle that around the base of them and make sure you water that in fairly thoroughly. Blood and bone any good for, for citrus? Blood and bone is fine, but citrus do, will do a much better job for you. Citrus, citrus food. That's right. Fine, David, well, thank you very much. My pleasure, Trevor. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you very much, Trevor. To Raymond Terrace next, Marilyn's on the line. Hello, Marilyn. How are you, David? Good, thank you. That's good. I have a problem with my china doll. Yes. It has got lots of little, what looks like furry little white balls. Right. 
of fluffy stuff okay. all over brand new little growth as well as older leaves. Good description because that's exactly what it looks like and it's simply called mealybug. Oh, um, So it is an insect. Uh, you will find the insect eventually. It's a little furry-looking thing with legs. Oh, um, right. So it's on there somewhere. It creates all these little furry balls of things. So Now, there is only one product that actually will get rid of uh, mealybug and mm-hmm. it's also perseverance that so will also get rid of it. Okay. And it's called Conquer. Now, Conquer is a bit similar to Confidor. It's probably what we call a house brand name. So if you can get hold of some Conquer and spray K-O-N-K-E-R, your... K-O-N-K-E-R, is that... Uh, no, C, uh, Conquer is spelled C-O-N-C-O-E-R, I think it's... Can you? Okay. Yes, yes, something like that, yes. Right. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> um, <laughs> So you just need to spray it with your conker and then come along in 14 days and give it another spray and just keep checking it every so often. If you still see it there, still continue to spray with your conker. Right. Okay. okay, so there's no point in cutting off the little tiny... Like, well, some of the leaves are really shriveled up. Yeah. Like, mm. Look, if they're really bad, I would certainly make sure you cut those off because the more disease you get off the plant, the quicker you're going to get it under control. Right. And any leaves that you do take off, mm. make sure you put those in a plastic bag and seal it so they don't escape and throw it in the whiz bin. Right. All right, then. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Marilyn. Thank Bye-bye you. now. Bye. Good morning, Marilyn, and uh, our next caller is Penny from Shortland. Hello, Penny. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, I've got this beautiful shady tree in my front yard. I'm not a very good gardener. I have no idea what sort of tree it is. It hangs over like a willow, but it's not a willow. And huntsman spiders love it. Yeah, and my car gets parked under there because it's so shady. I don't want to cut it down because it's such a beautiful tree, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't want the spiders. Okay. Well, look, there's probably a simple remedy for that. I mean, all or any of your general insecticides that are sold for the garden, you'll probably find will get rid of the spiders as well. So just a good general one, even an organic one like some pyrethrin, you'll find if you just spray up into the tree, onto the foliage, that should get rid of a lot of those spiders for you. Okay, great. All Thank right. Very much. Oh, just put sent shivers through me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Thank Penny. Bye bye now. Thank you, Penny. <laughs> I've got these awful visions now, Phil, of all these spiders hanging down off this yes. tree. Mm. Well, you mm. see if you can uh, help out Barry from Charlestown, <laughs> and I'll go and check the corners of the studio. <laughs> Hello, Barry. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Thank you. The other day, I heard you on the radio. Yes. You said, I wish people would throw away their white oil. <laughs> yes. Because you said you thought it was a, more like a pollutant, was it? Not actually a pollutant, but probably a very, very old chemical which can sometimes cause lots and lots of problems in the garden as far as burning goes. And this is why I need you to get rid of the white oil and replace it with some pestle, which is nice and safe. Well, look, I'd just run out of white oil, so I bought pestle. Good. But when I looked at it, and it's a good brand, I mean, a, a, a crowd who make um, gardening products, mm-hmm. and the pest oil, when I read it, is exactly the same active constituent as white oil. Oh, it shouldn't be, because it, uh, pest oil is actually a very, very fine oil, whereas uh, white oil is actually a true oil, so it should not be the same consistency. Yeah. Well, well, It's in a green bottle, is it? 
green bottle, but yes. it's the same constituent in it. That's eight eight hundred and thirty grams per hundred um, liters, mm-hmm. hundred mil of um, petroleum oil. Yes. Okay. The same. Is that all right? Is that what you mean? Well, it, it should be because pestle is only one pestle, and it's always in a green bottle. It's only manufactured by one particular company. Yeah, right. um, but it should not be the same as white oil. I would have to actually look at both those. No, cons- I don't mean the same to look at. Okay. Active constituents. Yes. Now, well, that's something that I would have to check up because it actually should be entirely different to what is uh, white oil, the true white oil. Mm. Hmm. So, right. look, leave that with me. I'm going to make a note of that to look into that. Now, of course, we won't be here next Monday, but certainly, hopefully, the Monday after, I'll give you an answer on that. Yeah. Okay. All Thank right, you then. Very much. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. Okay. Okay. Bye bye now. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Mm-mm, bit of a curly one. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Um, let's talk to Patricia from Cardiff now. Hello, Patricia. Hello. I was wondering about sweet peas. Yes. Um, when to put them in. Now. We need to get our sweet peas in now. So we can start planting sweet peas from St. Patrick's Day, which I think is about the 17th of March, and we can plant all the way through wintertime. But if you get them in nice and early, you'll have a really, really good show even in the winter months. So, yes, they are available now in either seed or in seedlings. And do they grow okay in pots? They certainly do. Try and stick with your dwarf ones, Patricia, because they give a much better show in pots because they hang over and they look really, really good. Okay. All right. Yep, thank you. You're welcome. Bye for now. Thank you, Patricia. Rush out and uh, get those (laughs) sweet peas in. Uh, Last caller for today, David, and it's Laurie from Wool's End. Hello, Laurie. Hello, Dave. How are you? I've got a little problem. I was listening to you talking about your um, grubs in the lawn. Yes. Um, Those those earthworms, do they make the lawn go yellow too and and space out? Well, they they shouldn't. They shouldn't really affect the lawn greatly in any way because they're basically just working under the soil. But, of course, if they disturb the root system too much, yes, sometimes you may get a yellowing in the lawn. Look, certainly a good remedy there is to just feed your lawn. You can still get in and feed your lawn this time of the year just with a good, complete lawn fertiliser, and that will put the greenness back into the lawn. Also, too, I mean, you heard me mention about giving the lawn some garden lime or to move the worms, and in actual fact, by using the garden lime, that may change the 